This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 58 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. In this episode we're bringing you the recording of a recent hangout that we had with Dave and Emily Williams and Colin Barron where we talked to Dave and Emily about their story as they've grown into leadership in Christchurch Manchester and we asked Colin some questions about what he saw in Dave and Emily and how he brought them through. This is a case study of leadership development in real life. If you want the full notes on this episode, you can find them on the broadcast website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 58. So here is our hangout with Dave, Emily and Colin. I'm going to put my first questions um, to Dave and Emily. So Dave, uh, could you just tell us a bit about kind of your background? Tell us um, just a very brief kind of early history of your life and then kind of a few years ago what were some of your dreams and hopes uh, and ambitions for the future so just kind of bring us up to speed on on where you've come from um cool my life very briefly um uh born in like christian family grew up actually in a new frontiers church in uh, king's church hastings um classic always out of faith kind of guy was a Muppet throughout my teens to my early twenties and through university and that, that stuff Um, had a bit of a kind of, well, very much a coming back to God and a a really real discovery of grace just after I finished university. Um, And then had a bizarre kind of turn of events where I went from very backslidden to being in a a full-time ministry within about six months. So I, ends up getting involved with kind of creative evangelism. So played drums and telling people about Jesus, um, which uh, brought me up as a band that brought me up to Manchester to work with the Message Trust, who do a lot of that kind of thing. Um, And so that's what I was doing for a few years and kind of met Emily whilst I was doing that. So if you take me, yeah, I was in that band between the ages of 22 and 25, so I'm 28 now. So if you take me back to... Uh, five, six years ago, I was probably thinking that was the next decade, you know, plus of my life. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was great fun. People got to know Jesus. Uh, playing music isn't awful either. It's quite nice. Uh, combining music and ministry is a great way of making no money. Um, <laughs> there we go. And uh, so probably where I would have been at at the time would have been, um, so yeah, expecting to do that for a long time and kind of dreams, aspirations. I had... Actually, the, I came kind of back to Jesus uh, together on a mission in Brighton, so the leaders' conference. Um, and in kind of the same week that happened, I felt God speaking to me about eldership. Um, but I parked that quite comfortably, uh, thinking. So in the back of my mind, I had that as a, I'll do life and, you know, plenty of, maybe a couple of careers. And at some point there'll be, when I'm elder, um, thinking in my head, probably late 50s, 60s, I'll be involved in some lead church leadership in some way. Um, I did I did let that slip to Paul Mann, the leader of King's Hastings at the time, um, who didn't comment too much. He had asked me and a few other people if we felt that kind of cool at any point. And um, I didn't quite notice his subtleties, but the, me and the other guy who did say, oh, yeah, I've thought about that. Um, suddenly had to start meeting him at 6am every Thursday for a Bible study um, of 1 and, one and 2 Timothy and Titus which I didn't see what was going on there but um, that was cool but in my head church leadership and um, that kind of stuff was very much parked for a few decades. That's great thanks David. Um, Emily could you give us a similar kind of just like brief background tell us how you met Jesus um, tell us the first story of your life up until probably about the point when you met Dave let's say and then we'll we'll talk about you guys together but um what were some of your um, key moments what were some of the dreams that you had at that point um so I grew up pretty much in a 
Christian-ish home. <laughs> um, I always went to church and youth group and all of that sort of stuff. Um, um, in just a kind of little village church um, until I was kind of a teenager. Then I started going to a kind of Hillsong-esque church. Um, what highlights? Uh, and then, so about, what, eight years ago-ish, about 2010, I moved to London just on a whim, kind of as part of a gap year. Um, and... A few weeks, probably about six weeks into being in London, um, I just kind of felt God out of the blue tell me to move to Manchester. So luckily, Tom O'Toole was moving to Manchester. So, uh, yeah, we moved, didn't we, eventually, after Tom married Emma. And, yeah, that was, I came to uni, um, started up a church plant with Tom, and that's where we got involved in CCM. And, yeah, that was kind of... Up to that, um, aspirations. I don't think I really particularly ever had any aspirations <laughs> other than to uh, probably get a degree at some point in life and just be obedient to what God was saying and hopefully make some disciples at some point in life. And um, yeah, that's about it. That's me. That's great. Okay. So then one of the the big moments for you both kind of early on after moving to Manchester was meeting each other and getting married so uh, coming from similar-ish places but also uh, kind of having different things that you've done and different things kind of ahead in your plans and even being part of different churches at the time uh, what were some of the things when you guys first uh, got married that you needed to to bring together and as you started dreaming together for the future what was that like and how did that work for you? Do you want to go? Okay. Um, for step one, was when we were engaged, we met, we were in different churches and just surrendering kind of our church future to, to God and seeking where he wanted us to be. And um, so I was um, very happy. I've moved to Manchester, got involved in Christ Central Church, um, first church I've been to, went in, liked it, stayed. Um, and um, so when it came to you know, just offering stuff over, I think I was, I'm going to admit, I've been very proud in my head and thought I would never move church for a girl ever and was shocked and appalled, uh, probably at myself, when God really clearly um, called uh, me, I guess, to join Emily in CCM. And I think it was very much a part of a, a bigger picture of God speaking where we were called not just well there was a combined calling in the mix and for, so at the time uh, when I was still playing this band uh, a lot of my bandmates had wives who had kind of sacrificed everything to impact because it's, it's a horrendous lifestyle really where you can't see on the road um, and wives had moved with husbands to Manchester from you know Ireland from Wales and they'd sacrificed a lot and I really felt God had challenged me actually whilst we were engaged that it would wouldn't be Emily sacrificing everything for me um in the for forever actually I was going to have to get on board with one as a couple with her and also with God's callings upon her as well um so that was kind of what was going on in the mix and I think we just threw ourselves into church life really um and just served whether it was needed whether musically or hospitality or leading a small group and um, we didn't really have much greater plans aside from years yeah, um, and we wanted to make some disciples i wanted to make some disciples we were kind of at the church's disposal to do that and god has said about it being together and so yeah. <laughs> let me bring you in at this stage and Colin, so we brought the story up to the point where Dave and Emily are married. They're both uh, part of Christchurch Manchester. And quite quickly, uh, you saw potential in them. So a young couple, a guy who's in a, a ministry band drumming, a uh, girl who's got a dream of making some disciples uh, was part of the church plan, but maybe kind of not not loads of idea beyond that, what, what they wanted to do. Um, but you saw leadership potential there quick. What were some of the things that, that you saw in Dave and Emily in those early days that made you think, yeah, this is a couple who, who I want to invest in and, and give some opportunity to? Okay. Um, 
Yeah, just a few things. First of all, there was zeal, real in wanting to get things done. So in Emily, who I knew before I knew Dave, uh, really got stuck in straight away, joined CCM in terms of the welcome, in terms of uh, organization, just fundamentally just wanting to serve. So, and then Dave as well. So I saw uh, a servant-heartedness and zeal. And then as they got married and started to run a small group, uh, I realized that loads of people were cramming into their little terraced house. In fact, I think at one point you probably had 25 people, maybe even more, maybe pushing 30 when all the freshers came in. And, and I was, uh, I'm the sort of person that when I notice something, like that, I'll ask people, you know, why, what's making you go to Dave and Emily's? And uh, I, I get consistently that we love it there. We like the, we like them as a couple. We like the hospitality. We like their zeal for God. And, um, and so, you know, to see such a crowd going into a, 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 a home and actually wanting to be there, you know, what sometimes small groups and discipleship groups, people are allocated um, to, uh, and, uh, to see people actually just really flocking in, actually, to the group. That was what really started to make me think, these two have really got it for church leadership. And um, so that was the start of me talking to some of my other leaders, but also to begin a conversation with Dave and Emily. Um, at that point, this was a few years ago, could you just maybe share a bit about kind of where we were up to as a church at that point? What were some of the things going on with planting? And then uh, what was the, the kind of way you brought Dave and Emily into a bit more responsibility? Okay. Yeah, we've already started a, a, a congregation, a site in Gorton. We'd started a second congregation site in Fallowfield with students uh, an evening congregation 6 30 which is what uh, Dave and Emily were serving in and uh, we then started a morning congregation in the same venue and I'd asked a couple who actually had come to me and asked to be trained uh, they just got married as well and I uh, I, they were going to move to Withington and I said to that couple actually help us start the morning meeting and I'll find someone else to actually run it uh, while you're actually gathering a team to go to Withington so effectively as Dave and Emily were being uh, trained I, uh, there was another couple who now got 40 50 people in a congregation uh, as Withington and so actually I had in my mind that there was an opportunity arising uh, for David, they actually could uh, gradually move into. So because uh, I'd already got this couple running it, and I knew there was a year there, we had one or two elders around as well. Uh, Tim had started the evening meeting, was around as well. So there was quite a lot of support there. But actually there was, a, want I say, a vacancy. We, we were creating um, a, a, a new congregation that actually needed leadership so then there came the moment then when um like the couple that colin mentioned andy and elizabeth did uh, move on to withington and started the church there and you guys david emily started to to lead that morning congregation so uh when it was kind of first put to you that you might do this um how did you feel did you feel Ready? Were you scared? Were you excited? What were some of the, the feelings when you were first um, approached about this opportunity? How did you feel? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know. I think our attitude at the time was very much um, we we wanted to serve the church in kind of whatever capacity was needed and um whether uh, whether or not it was the the kind of complete situation, if it, it felt the way that it was pitched to us that there was a need. Um, in hindsight, other people probably could have covered it, but um, yeah. So it felt that there was a need, and we were happy to step up and um, give that a go. I mean, at the time when we knew once the people that were going to Withington were going out. Um, most of the people that were left were kind of in our house group anyway, so it wasn't um, 
that wasn't too big a jump and um I got involved a little bit in the preaching of church at that point well I think I was asked we we asked um we asked it was just after I did the worst preach ever um so there's grace in the mix um but yeah that's kind of my thoughts just it was it didn't seem like too crazy a jump people wise that was helpful and we just wanted to help out where we thought there was a need that's good so this is what was it about four years ago that this happened would you say is that about right uh we were Uh, asked about four years ago and then yeah three and a half years in the september okay did that yeah yeah and um come over that time period uh you've um carried on leading it you've taken on more leadership as well uh and during that time, I know you've done uh, a few things that will help equip you for the role that you have. So um, I know both of you at different times have done the, the Catalyst Leaders Training, for example. I think you've finished it, haven't you, Dave? And Emily, you're yeah. doing it at the moment. And so could you talk about that, how it's helped you, and then other things that you've read or, or done or studied or whatever it may be that you feel have really helped equip you for what you're doing? I'll begin. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um I think the main thing about what our experience of CCM gave us was just ample opportunity. Even as the I just guess the environment we're we're in is lots of people literally doing as much as they want in church or being invited to keep on stepping and there's always stuff to step into so um we got loads of practical experience by just i mean i think our kind of brief for when we actually started running the congregation was uh we were sat down uh, by someone who uh, kind of a week before and just said okay so the way this is going to work is you'll run it for a bit and then we'll kind of catch up at kind of reading week and we're like oh, okay um and so just get your hands in messy there and then you kind of bring in is that training and knowledge from elsewhere. So uh, leadership foundations uh, was really helpful. In, both I had a real kind of knowledge gap on the theology side, uh, especially having never uh, formally studied any before. So that was incredibly helpful. Um, I think uh, as and I've noticed um, this with lots of other people who we've then kind of been helping kind of come into leadership as well you bring a lot just from your workplace and the leadership you see there you take on board so I was working the message trust um throughout that time so I was taking on a lot of stuff I knew about prayer or organizing teams and um especially because we're in creative ministry teams um not competing um and all building something together was really huge for me um I now see so the couple that we work very closely with to run our site um the the husband is a a web developer and he's constantly bringing in different aspects of his workplace as well um and i guess so it's kind of you get knowledge from everywhere but we had a format or forum to apply it and actually get the muscle memory if that makes sense yeah so how about you, Emily? What would you say are some of the highlights of the, the Catalyst Leadership Training or any other things you want to bring in? Um, I think one of the biggest highlights is just getting to kind of mix with leaders from a real variety of churches. Like They're not all even necessarily New Frontiers churches, which I think can be helpful sometimes <laughs> um, to just get other perspectives and, yeah, just kind of different ways of doing things that you sometimes miss out on when we just kind of keep to the same uh, kind of people and yeah I think that's one of the main things and just yeah the theology and kind of putting in some things that we missed out along the way. (laughs) So Colin one of the the things that um, that Dave was saying was about kind of being given an opportunity and then um, we'll catch up at this point and the balance between um, plenty of chance to have a go and also uh, as much support as possible. Could you make a few comments about that and um, 
you know, what are the things you try to go for in that area? Yeah, I mean, I'm reasonably organic in the way I approach things, which um, I've noticed suits some people and uh, is a challenge to others. Um, so, so my philosophy, and, and Dave picked it up, is to try and give space and then allow people to actually fill that space and then try and train them as they're going. Now, what I notice is that some people need a track to run on. You know, some people, so we've got... Colin, I think your mic has gone off. You've stopped making noise. Or can anyone, David Emma, can you hear Colin? No. Okay. Um, Colin, I'm going to go back to a question to David Emily because your, your mic has gone and we can't hear you. Could you play around with that? I'll come back to you on this thought in a minute. But um, since you took this responsibility on three or four years ago, um, you've since also taken responsibility for the evening congregation. Um, so Tim and Vicky, who were leading that, have moved on to plant another site and you've now taken uh, the lead on both CCM City congregations and um, you've got three or four years of leadership experience under your belt now could you pick out like maybe if you could each pick out one uh, real kind of joyful moment of those three or four years where you say really enjoyed that I was um, a highlight of it and made it all worthwhile for me and um, could get uh, a couple of moments like that guys um i think baptisms are usually a highlight um it's almost even more so when it's someone you you've had nothing to do with um and that's um you know but you've just been part of this family and you are encouraged to see that um, yeah, just that person brought in by another family member who's loved them and explained the gospel, or usually it's a group process. So um, I think that's usually a highlight for me. Um, and for you? Yeah, Emily. Um, I think just watching people like develop their home groups is quite exciting. Mm. Like, kind of when people really have kind of got the vision and kind of, yeah are doing it really well and people are kind of going into these home groups and feeling really welcome and again we've had nothing to do with that that feels nice yeah no, that's great that's like what Colin was saying um kind of initially he'd seen you guys then being replicated and reproduced in in the different groups that you've got going on very good uh, would you say there have been any um challenges or or things along the way that um You'd, you'd want to kind of share and say, actually, this wasn't the easiest moment, but through it, God's done some great stuff or you've learned some key lessons or anything you want to share about harder times? <laughs> How long <laughs> you got? <laughs> <laughs> Not on the internet. Uh, um, <laughs> I guess one of the... Maybe a, a tough thing, maybe for for me more personally, was um, developing into a role that, as I come said before, I hadn't anticipated at that point in life. And you realise you don't quite you you're not aligned, and you maybe your character's not where you want it to be. Um, and also, I think I think probably what I found really really tough was. Um, I think it takes a while for you to be able to operate really as yourself within kind of a wider team and for the best of you to kind of come out. And I think um, it, the, we quite quickly got into our role and the way that our kind of church runs a lot of out of your home, there's no church offices and kind of seeing other leaders and stuff. And I, th I think one of the tough things, we often only saw other leaders when there's a problem <laughs> and so I might have been stressed and I think a lot of time just um I, th I think I, my character was not particularly being so much of a blessing to those people shall I say sometimes I, and I didn't feel and it frustrated me because I knew I wasn't coming across the way I wanted to um that was probably quite a 
if that makes sense. Um, so and I, I felt I could be, I could operate well in my work kind of setting where I kind of had a deeper relationship developed over years with some people and I was suddenly trying to lead a church with some people that I hadn't known for that long. Um, so that was something that took a while. Um, probably for me to sort out which points was me miscommunicating, which points was my selfishness and pride. Um, and so that's probably a big thing to work through. How about that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can we um, see if Colin is back on with the audio? Could you just try and talk, Colin, for a moment? Yeah, I'm here. It's great. We can see you again. Um, so obviously, um, Dave and Emily have done a good job because they're they're still here, they're still leading, and uh, have been given more opportunities. So um, it's obviously gone pretty well. But so what would you say, kind of over these three or four years of these guys leading, are some of the things that uh, you'd commend them for? You'd say they they've done well and um, kind of a good model for everyone else. Oh. Well, they've had two kids. Emily's doing a, a, a um, social work degree or master's. I'm not quite sure which one it is, I forget. Um, so and they, and they've actually grown a church to 130 people, two congregations. But that is fabulous in your mid-20s. Um, so, and like um, a lot of people um, that... Uh, uh, are involved in what we're doing, you know, they don't get a lot of money to do this. So um, to actually plant into either needy areas of what we're doing or student areas. And so the faith level that these guys have shown in terms of, uh, you know, asking God for money, letting God provide. I mean, they, do, they just get paid a couple of days a week, but there's a, there's a genuine faith level in them. Um, which is which is fa fantastic, and I've just seen them grow. So uh, they're preaching, both of them, Emily and Dave's preaching, has just grown as they've uh, learned more. And actually, again, practice makes perfect sometimes, and uh, just by giving the opportunity. So you know, I've been really just blessed just watching uh, the growth, and also. Dave mentioned, you know, figuring out how you work in a team where we don't have officers. You, uh, most people are part-time, so you're just you're bumping into people a little bit sometimes uh, in and out of meetings. So there's, you have to learn grace, actually, uh, to live in that sort of environment. That, um, so, I, I, you know, I say I've been um, really blessed and uh, the fruit of what's... Uh, so we started in Starbucks asking about, will he take this on? Which was a small congregation, actually, in the morning then. It literally was probably 20 or 30 people at that point. We had about 60, 70 in the evening. But actually, to grow it both. And uh, so it's a new church now, I would think, Dave and Emily, isn't it? Since uh, when we asked, most people have graduated, moved on often to some of our other church plants, actually. So there's a whole raft of new people. So... Um, yeah. Uh, so your, your answer there, Colin, actually leads nicely onto. Uh, there's just two more areas I just want some uh, thoughts from you guys on, and then we'll go to the Q and A. There's quite a lot of questions coming in already, uh, so if you do have questions, be typing them in, and we'll make sure we get to them. Um, so Colin listed some of the things that you're doing. So your involvement in church, your two young kids, Emily's course, and so on. Um, it's a lot that you guys have got going on in life. Um, can you talk a bit about how you make it work? So what are some of the things that you've learned to pace yourself, to manage your time, uh, and to, to get all the things that, that you've got going, working uh, to the best you can? Hmm. <laughs> You're the expert. Um, I don't really know. I don't, I'd like to say that we have a system, but we don't really. Um, so I think oh, I think kind of one of the biggest things is probably actually just being able to be flexible and kind of, um, yeah, kind of allow space. So kind of one of the things, I can't remember who told us, somebody uh, said kind of never book your diary more than 70% in a week so that you kind of have a bit of wiggle room, which I think is 
is kind of how we work. So kind of putting in all the vital things and then leaving space because inevitably stuff always crops up or we're tired or we're ill or children are ill. Um, so that's kind of one of the good things. Um, I think as well, just kind of for me anyway, one of the big things is, uh, you know, kind of the whole let your yes be yes and your no be no thing. So kind of not saying yes to things unless we know that we can commit to them. Um, and so, yeah, having to learn to turn stuff down and what to turn down and, um, yeah. You got anything to add? Uh, yeah, I think just... We see life quite holistically, um, and and it's it's all God's, and we just think kingdom, kind of, and everything. Um, and kind of with that perspective, sometimes you're kind of okay with actually sacrificing maybe a bit more time to your kids when the church needs it, and then really backing away and investing in the kids at other times, um, or other people, or whatever. Um, just not kind of compartmentalizing too much, just seeing it as one thing that kind of needs organizing. Also, Emily's the incredibly organized one, and so she runs the diaries. Um, so that's delegation, which is very helpful. Um, so also, I, I think to a point, you're busy, you're really busy. We sleep less than some other people, uh, probably a lot of other people. Um, and you learn to operate when you're not quite so healthy. Uh, during the busy periods or whatever and then we, yeah we also just don't watch tv um so we, we do do a lot and you it takes lots of hours and so we holiday hard when we can and that's a, i think that's a big part of our rhythm just when you can you holiday chuckle your money at it and rest well that's very important. Um, okay, the final one I'll ask you of mine, and then we'll bring some in from other people. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed and been impressed by about the leadership that you guys provide is you do so as a team. It's very much the two of you together that's leading. Um, can you talk a bit about that? How do you how do you keep that as the as the way you do it, rather than it just gravitating towards one or the other of you is it, a, is it a deliberate thing or is it just how it works naturally for you and yeah just talk about that for us if you would me yeah. i think from the start there was the calling that was quite clear but actually to be honest figuring out that calling and realizing what it works like it's actually probably been the hardest thing but there's always been a clear understanding that that was the intent and sometimes it feels like we're really ministering together and oh too much other times it feels like we're ministering alongside each other which is different and um and it's not what we're aiming for so that's to actually get togetherness has been quite it's been a struggle something we've had to work towards um operating out of the house a lot is very helpful in terms of uh, hospitality is kind of a, a big thing we do um i think i don't just get on one level getting out of each other's way when you just need to let the other person do that thing and do it well and knowing when you need to have two voices in the mix um and just i think we both believe in each other and so we keep on encouraging each other and when one of us has a bit of a, a knockback um, or disappointment, just reaffirming you are called to this, we are called to this, um, and just encouraging each other in that way. What else? Yeah. <laughs> We're learning to public speak together. We've done one preach together so far, so... <laughs> Well, I'm going to come on to a few of these questions we've got. So um, keep them coming. If anything's occurring to you that you'd like to, to ask, keep typing them in. Uh, the first one I'm going to ask, it's actually a double part question. Uh, and I think the first part's probably more for, for you guys, Emily and Dave. And the second part, uh, we'll put your way, Colin. But it says, um, this is a great story of releasing people into leadership through planting out congregations. The first part of the question is, how have you guys actually released leaders yourselves within 
uh, the congregations that you lead. How have we released people ourselves to lead? Uh, so, like I said, the the culture we're in um, is just there's always space, um, and so if I think what we kind of found within CCM is just everyone is growing and everyone's pushing themselves, and other people need to go with them, and um, so. Um, we have a congregation with just a or two congregations with a very high buy-in ethic anyway. So 80% probably plus people serve on teams anyway, 80% community community group attendance. It means you need about 15% of your congregation just to be community group leaders. So they're, they're leading in a way. We have core teams for each congregation. Um, we have a high turnover. So we're constantly have, we tr have to train about five new preachers a year, bring through about three worship leaders a year just to exist because of the transient nature of where we are. Um, and I'm only, I'm only paid part-time. I'm just doing a full-time master's. I look after the kids a couple of days a week as well. Kind of, in, it's, There's stuff to do. So we're, I think we're constantly looking just to offload. Um, I mean, for instance, um, my, in one of our, in our morning congregation, the De December preaching series and the January preaching series we've just had were written by a guy He's 47. Aside from Colin, he's my oldest number. Um, and uh, a couple of years ago, he'd never preached before. He, I wanted some wisdom in the mix, asked him to preach. Suddenly he's coming out with all these ideas for a bunch of stuff. And so whilst I'm planning the kind of bread and butter bulk things, he's shooting at me a Christmas series, a January series. It looks great. So we, we take that on board. So it's just, we're in a culture where stuff needs to get done and it's just quite easy to then just invite people into that and to buy into that i think okay and um the second part of the question and colin maybe you'd comment on this one how do you create space within a church plant for people to lead when you have a lot of leaders in a small team oh <laughs> difficult one probably start a second yeah. pretty quickly I knew you'd say that <laughs> no I mean it I mean that yeah. effectively um, I think people are, people have a philosophy that, that they've got to get to like the magic 120 or the 70 before they can do anything else and I think when I first came to Manchester I had a load of leaders and we had, and, uh, we had 30 people a lot of them could lead and then we started our second congregation just immediately that was 20 years ago and I think it, pe people think it's just reckless but actually um, you it's it's growth you give people opportunity or and you in, if in that original core if there's a lot of leaders if it's right you give them room to grow as David Emily know I preach very rarely um, a little bit more just now um, but all the time I'm using every opportunity to encourage, train, feedback. So the trouble with the church plant is sometimes the primary leader does need to set the pace and so does take quite a lot of the time. Um, so it is a little bit, we did this podcast the other day and, and I opened this up a little bit more, didn't we, Tom? But, um, so, but I'd start another one, fundamentally, if I've got that many leaders if you want to listen to the podcast Colin was referring to, it is up there on the broadcast website. So, yeah, have a look if you're interested. Um, next question. It links into what you were saying about um, these preaching series that had been developed for you by a guy in his 40s. Um, the question is just what have you learned about leading people who are older than you? you want to go? Um, so one of the, I think one of the key factors to our development was congregations who allowed us to grow. And the biggest part of that was we had two couples join our church who by our nature, they, they were kind of the eldest. So one was in their thirties, one in their forties. And they knew, especially I didn't have a clue. <laughs> um, and it was our first opportunity 
and they bought in anyway and gave us a lot of grace. So we've actually found, it was probably the older people in the congregation that were easier to lead on one level because they had bought into something. I think that's actually really key if you want to bring through leaders. The congregation need to know that the culture is that we give people a go as well. But after a time, you know, that only washes when you're brand new and after a time, they want to see some growth in you as well. And I think it's probably just striving for uh, what, what I think the, the Bible would kind of be looking for as well, which is kind of just um, integrity and competency. And if you're getting those free spot on, then people don't have an awful lot to complain about. That can be kind of a chemistry thing of people you just don't get each other. But if you've got spiritual integrity and um, people can see you're working incredibly hard at what you do and you, you're handling yourself all right, then I think that goes a long way with someone, no matter what their age really is. Cool, thank you. Um, next one we'll go for then is about the time management thing, but it's particularly from the angle of the church. It's just asking you, to comment on uh, the difference in church life in term times and in holidays and when all the students are away. And how, how do you balance the, the church timetable, what do you do differently at each point of the year? What do we do? Um, so, Too much summer. Probably, yeah, in the summer, so when it's kind of, quieter in one sense although it's busier in another sense because we're down on servers so actually everyone has to serve a lot harder through the summer um, but that's kind of when we do most of our planning and kind of all the prep for the next term if not probably the whole year um, so that when we come to September the idea is that we don't really have to kind of think about anything or plan anything and that's kind of a heavy pastoral season um, where we probably spend kind of September to December when all the new students are coming in just kind of meeting people and pastoring and that's normally when everybody has the most issues um and then and january and then the yeah, exams yeah <laughs> um and then come easter again it's quiet and so it's still yeah. um, i think it's yeah so we've not quite nailed our summers we've done it differently kind of every year sometimes we shut down for a month uh, this year, we shut down our evening congregation and kept our morning congregation going all the way through an attempt to double up um, a bit of resource. Um, but the morning family stays, so you still need all your kids' workers at least, which you're trying to put on. We, we lose about two-thirds of our people. Um, but yeah, you just crack on in. So I usually do more playing in the bands and maybe kids' work than I do preaching in the summer. But that's where it's kind of important to have and you have to be deliberate in who you've brought through so for different roles. So we kind of have a priority for us to have people who have jobs who can preach because then in the summer they can do a lot of that because most of our musicians are actually students. So then I'll be more of a musician in the summer. Um, yeah. But it's a massive contrast. So on a couple of your answers, you've talked about developing people to preach. One of the questions is about that. And it's just asking, what is your strategy for developing preachers if you are going through five new preachers a year? So how do you actually go about doing that? Okay, a few things in which One, we centralise uh, preaching training as a church. So we have a course um, to uh, run by. Tom O'Toole and uh, Andy Browning, one of our other elders, um, that we just chuck as many people on as possible um, and just plug it as a, this is helpful for your communication in general. And if you want to preach one day, it's a great thing to do. So we have a centralised training that probably, what was it, about 30 people were on just from across the church last year? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Um, so we have that in a mix as a training resource. Um how else do we do we as a heavily student slash graduate congregation we've actually got quite a few people that are quite used to the discipline of assembling information and presenting it anyway so we've actually got quite a rich ground for people to kind of 
pick from for preaching. And then you just look for people with integrity, people with real passion for the word of God and then for communicating the word of God. Um, and um, then you go on a journey with them and the journey sometimes starts to them knowing it's happening and sometimes they don't. Um, so sometimes you just need to repeat to someone, we would like you to preach one day, your gifting would bless us. And that's usually the people that need a little bit of, they just need to hear it a few times. We had a girl this year who did her first preach for us in December. We'd earmarked her for all those characteristics I've mentioned. And uh, I put her on a preaching road for December, but didn't tell her. Um, but the other people who can see the road, so the elders all knew. Um, and I told them to keep quiet. And we, so we got her up taking communion every week um, or for a few weeks. Then she started anchoring, hosting a few of our meetings. And when she was looking quite confident in that, I asked her to preach. Um, but we'd already, already had this date earmarks and stuff. So the, um, the process is different for different people. We're quite, it's quite a blessing that people leave us in a funny way because it can, creates continued demand. And so I guess what we're aiming to do really is give people as many shots at it as possible before they go or if they do stay then we've actually got some so we're not looking at chucking on someone one time a year um for us it's um okay can i get them on three or four times in their first year of preaching just let them learn by doing if john piper says you need 200 preachers you know to, to have done 200 preachers before you found your preaching voice then my kind of thought is let's at least give these guys a chance of getting somewhere near it by the time the 30, 35, rather than starting it then. But what makes it a lot easier for us is having two congregations, as Colin said. If you want to develop people, there's space, there's need. Um, sometimes too much need, and uh, I end up doing a few too many in a row between the two than, than I plan, but that's gives you more interest to train more people up. Um, so hopefully that's something that will help. Great, I think it is. Thank you. Um, Colin, I think the next one's probably for you. Um, and the question is, how do you balance taking risks with people and giving them responsibility <coughs> and preventing giving that responsibility too soon when it could lead to problems? Okay, there's never a, a correct answer for this. So, um, because it's always a, it's always a risk. Um but you can minimise that risk. So for me, I'm always there when I ask somebody to do it. So for Dave and Emily, Mary and myself, that's my wife, we've spent quite a lot of time in the congregation, sitting there, being there. Um, so effectively, first of all, you are around. So you're giving responsibility, but you're there. So I think the closer you are, the bigger risk you can take. So that's, um, I think the other, I'm always looking for people who are teachable or, and can take feedback. Um, I don't give a lot of criticism, but I do give a lot of feedback. And, uh, and so, um, some, so I'm looking for people who can handle that. So if people can handle that, then you can give them, you can give them more. Um, I, I think, you you've, I, you don't know what people's breaking strain is or, or ability until they have a, a go. So as Dave said about preaching, you know, our philosophy has always been you give them more than one because the first one could either be brilliant or, or go bear-shaped and it will be nothing to do with how good the person is as a preacher. It's just one of those days, you know, we all have a good day and a bad day. Um, so for me, I'm always watching, always asking. So these are things to mitigate some of the downsides. So, you know, so, and I'm watching, are they under too much stress? Um, um, I'm asking around, you know. And so, and sometimes some, some stress is good for you. You know, the reality is pressure is not bad. It actually is bad when it actually gets to breaking point. So I think a lot of leaders overprotect people um, because they don't want them to be overpressurized. But actually, 
the reality is it's in those environments that you grow. And actually, a lot of people are stimulated. They want the challenge. And they, they rise to the challenge. On the other hand, you've just got to watch it. So I don't know if I'm asking, answering your question. So it's, it's the balance between giving people room to find where their limits are and being around enough not to, to let them get too stretched. Um, so that's the, why I'm a little bit more organic, if I can use that word. You know, you can have a training program, but actually it's all individual. And, you know, David Everly's capacity is different to someone else's capacity and their ability to cope with life is different to others. So that's, for me, the biggest thing is, is actually being there, watching, talking, um, and bringing the appropriate kind of, uh, I want to say correction, but I don't mean correction, I mean adjustment is the word I'm looking for. Thank you, Colin. Um, I'll put one, just add something very quickly on the end of that. I just probably what um, I think CCM does quite well is talk about its failures and stuff gone wrong. And there's this, we were brought into something in a, a atmosphere where a, a couple of church plants hadn't made it very far at all. And um, so I know it was, it's just an atmosphere where kind of failure is kind of acknowledged and spoken about rather than hush hush and ashamed. It's just people have a go sometimes, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. And communicating that I think took a lot of the pressure off of our backs when we were having a go. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. Just a reminder that the full notes on everything that was said is available at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 58. And our next hangout will also be on the topic of leadership development. It will be on Thursday, the 2nd of February with Steve Tibbett. And again, you can find the information about that at the broadcast website.